welcome to the What The Heck podcast, a show that looks at mysteries and the unexplained. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week I look at something unexplained, telling a story or describing it, then look at the theories surrounding it. I won't give you any answers because I don't know them myself. I'll just give you what you need to decide for yourself. Research is done as academically as possible, and references will be given after the stories. The episode this week is a true crime episode. This week, we're looking at something that has resurfaced in the last decade or so, and something that has shocked the US when it happened. We're looking at the death of John Bernay Ramsey. Some of this story is quite gruesome, and there is mention of sexual assault, so if that's going to upset you, just skip the episode. Christmas in Boulder, Colorado was almost over in 1996. The date had rolled over and it was already December 26th. But in the Ramsey household, something else was happening. Most people would have gone to bed by now, but Patsy Ramsey was awake. Something was wrong. In the early hours, Patsy had woken up with her husband John to the fact that their daughter, John Bonet, was missing. They were awake to prepare for a trip and Patsy had found a ransom note on the stairs. The note demanded $118,000 for the return of their daughter and told the Ramseys not to call the police. Patsy ignored the warning and immediately called them. She also called friends and family to help search for her daughter. The police arrived at 5.55am and searched the building. They found no signs of forced entry and avoided the basement. Here's where everything falls apart. John Bonet's room was cornered off and the friends, family and police had been roaming the house, picking things up and potentially destroying evidence. On top of that, the police decided to share some of the evidence they'd found with the Ramseys and also delayed their informal interviews with them. At 1pm, the police told John to take a friend and walk around the house to see if anything was amiss there. The first place they went to look was the basement. The basement that the police had neglected to look at earlier. John Ramsey and his friend discovered something. The body of John Bonet. John immediately picked up the body of his daughter and carried her up the stairs into the main house. This action may have destroyed some crucial evidence for the case. Doctors did an autopsy to find the cause of death and discovered that John Bonet had died by asphyxiation via strangulation and had suffered a skull fracture somewhere before her death. Her mouth had been covered by duct tape and her wrists and neck had been wrapped with a white cord. This cord also held a paintbrush in it, causing the strangulation that had killed her. Medical examiners had to check for signs of sexual assault due to the circumstances and discovered that something had happened since her vagina appeared to have been wiped clean but they found no evidence of semen, leaving the tests inconclusive. Inside her stomach, the medical examiners discovered pineapple. Patsy and John couldn't remember giving her pineapple on Christmas night but police found a bowl of the fruit in the kitchen. The bowl had John Bonet's brother's fingerprints on it. Burke Ramsey was a suspect, but Patsy and John were adamant that he had been in his bedroom all night asleep, and there was no evidence on the contrary. 
the initial investigation focused on the Ramsey family for a lot of reasons. One of these reasons was that the police thought that the ransom note was staged. It was unusually long for a ransom note and had been written using paper and a pen from inside the house. The ransom also asked for a very specific amount. It was the same amount that John had gotten as a bonus that year. The Ramseys were also reluctant to work with the police, but later said that it was because they were scared that the police would focus their investigation on them and not conduct a full investigation. All three of the surviving family members had to submit a handwriting sample to compare to the ransom letter. John and Burke were cleared from these samples, and Patsy's handwriting couldn't be conclusively cleared. However, the analysis had no other evidence to back it up and wasn't followed any further. On New Year's Day 1997, the New York Times broke the news that John Bonet was dead. It was huge news. Patsy Ramsey had been Little Miss Colorado, and John Bonet herself was also involved in pageants winning Tiny Little Miss 1996, the year that her death occurred. The same day, the Ramseys had their first televised interview with CNN. They claimed that there was a killer on the loose, and Patsy suggested that there was a possibility of a reward for information about the killer. According to CNN, the Ramseys refused to submit to polygraph tests in January after there were reports of a practice ransom note. Later that month, the New York Times reported that the police had interviewed over 90 people, received over 500 letters, and taken 1,100 phone calls in relation to the case. They also revealed the information about the ransom note, adding that they possibly knew about John's time in the Navy. Despite the large amount of information gained by the New York Times, the media immediately began to focus on the Ramsey's supposed involvement in the death. On February 13th, Boulder Police Chief Tom Coby and District Attorney Alex Hunter held a press conference to update the public on the case. Here, they announced that they were creating a task force which included leading members of the defence team from the O.J. Simpson case that had happened two years before. Next month, John and Burke were cleared of writing the ransom. The police also searched the family's summer home in Charlevoix, Michigan, for a second time, looking for more potential practice ransom notes. On April 18th, Alex Hunter named John and Patsy as the focus of the investigation. On April 30th, Boulder police conducted their formal interviews. The Ramseys were interviewed for over eight hours. The next day, the Ramseys broke their radio silence and had another interview with CNN. In a third interview, John said that he didn't kill John Bonet and explained that they had a very close relationship and he would miss her dearly. The New York Times reported that the investigation had cost upwards of $300,000. The Ramseys had hired a team of lawyers, private investigators, a PR spokesman and a handwriting analysis expert to stand up to the investigation on them. In August, Boulder Police released the autopsy with all the details. Press reports show that prosecutors had previously attempted to keep the autopsy from the public, but Colorado Supreme Court refused to hear their arguments and only allowed six parts to remain confidential. 
Apparently, experts had argued over whether or not the autopsy actually contained evidence of sexual assault, with one indicating that it had the potential of showing a pattern of child abuse dating prior to John Bonnet's death. This line of thought never went anywhere and was never investigated. Cut forward to January 1998, and the Washington Post reported that John and Patsy had refused another interview with the Boulder Police. They did, however, offer to send in written answers to any formal questions. The Boulder Police had also requested to interview Burke Ramsey as well. The Ramseys had asked the police to show good faith and allow them to view the evidence, but the police refused, and refused to release any new evidence to them. In February, the Boulder police actually lost some evidence. They had said in October 1997 that they would have conducted the investigation differently if they had to do it all again. Among the lost evidence, interviews and statements were among them. In March, the Boulder police formally requested a grand jury to be convened. The New York Times cynically reported that the Ramseys seemed to have moved on with their lives, while the investigation didn't reveal any leads or evidence to them. Interviews were finally conducted on Burke in June 1998. They were conducted by the Boulder County District Attorney's Office and Broomfield Police. In the interview, Burke was asked when he last saw John Bonet alive. He said that they had been in the car and she was tired. This made sense since the family had gone out on Christmas Day. When he was asked about the next morning, he said that Patsy had come into his room and turned the light on before leaving. He said that all he heard was her going psycho. Burke had remained in his room during the initial investigation that day, explaining to the police that he had been scared. He was worried for John Bonet and said that he wasn't aware that she was dead until they had gone to a friend's house to tell them. He said that he expected John Bonet to be there safe but John had told him that she was in heaven. In August, the Denver Post reported that they had listened to an enhanced version of the original 911 call. This call apparently included Burke's voice, which contradicts his police interview. Also in August, Detective Steve Thomas, one of the original investigators on the case, quit. He called the investigation an ongoing travesty, and said that the Boulder District Attorney was compromised. The next month, Lou Smith, another detective, accused the Boulder Police of letting their theories direct them instead of the evidence. It was also reported that Burke had been interviewed two months earlier. In March 1999, it was reported that Boulder and the state of Colorado had spent more than $1.7 billion on the investigation and the grand jury. They had also requested a further $62,001 to continue to fund the grand jury. By April, Alex Hunter had been granted a six-month extension for the jury, and it was revealed that Boulder police were working with another veteran from the O.J. Simpson case, criminologist Henry Lee. In May, it was reported that Burke had testified in front of the grand jury and he was officially declared to not be a suspect. The summer went by with nothing much happening. Then in September, an interview happened on Good Morning Amer America. 
former Boulder detective Linda Arndt spoke to them about the case. She claimed to have feared for her life and had no doubt who had murdered John Bonet, but refused to identify them during the interview. Police refused to comment and the Ramseys' lawyers said they were bizarre speculations and psychic impressions. On October 13th, 1999, Alex Hunter announced that the grand jury had finished its investigation. He revealed that he would not be filing charges against the Ramseys due to a lack of evidence. The Colorado governor, Bill Owens, said that there was a possibility of a special prosecutor being assigned to the case. The Ramseys said that they took no satisfaction in this verdict though, noting that it meant that a child killer was still on the loose. It turns out, revealed in a document released in 2013, the grand jury had actually voted to indict the Ramseys on charges of child abuse that resulted in death and also being accessories to crime. The document states that both Patsy and John were attempting to hinder, delay and prevent the discovery, detention, apprehension, prosecution, conviction and punishment of a culprit. Alex Hunter was the one who refused to file those charges, sparing the Ramseys from the punishment of the grand jury. John and Patsy released a book in February of 2000, almost five months after Alex Hunter announced that they wouldn't be charged. Death of Innocence explores the Ramsey side of the story and names three suspects. One was a former employee at John Ramsey's company, another was a former professor at Colorado University, and the third was a bolder journalist. The Ramseys went through a series of national television interviews to promote the book. The next year, in June 2001, it was reported that Patsy and John had filed lawsuits and been countersued in return. John and Patsy had sued AOL Time Warner on behalf of Burke for $70 million, former detective Steve Thomas for libel to the sum of $80 million, and at least three other libel suits were pending. This was responded in kind by two libel cases being opened against the Ramses over the accusations that they made in the book. Later that year, in December, the show South Park ridiculed the Ramses and hinted that they had been responsible, although Matt Stone and Trey Parker apologised for it much later. Now we jump forward five years. In 2006, the case was blown wide open. ABC News reported that John Mark Carr, a 41-year-old schoolteacher, had been arrested in Bangkok, Thailand on suspicion of the murder. Authorities had been tracking him for weeks before they moved to arrest him. When he was in custody, he admitted to drugging and killing John Bonet, but claimed that it had been an accident. Carr was extradited to the US, where his confession was scrutinised as contradictory to the autopsy. Two weeks after his arrest, the DNA tests came back and revealed that it hadn't been Carr at all. His DNA didn't match any at the crime scene. It was revealed that Carr hadn't even been to Colorado until 2000, four years after the death. The only reason he was under suspicion was because he had sent a series of emails to a professor at the University of Colorado. In these emails, he had claimed to have been responsible for John Bonet's death and had referred to himself as a dashing prince and stated that he cared for her 
and had tried to revive her when he thought she was dead. Then, in 2008, Boulder District Attorney Mary Lacey publicly exonerated John, Patsy and Burke of responsibility in the death of John Bonet. She cited new methods of DNA analysis for this, apologising to the Ramseys in a letter. Two days earlier, Patsy Ramsey had died from ovarian cancer. John Ramsey appeared in an interview and expressed gratitude for the efforts of investigators. John expressed hope to see laws updated so that all convicted felons would have DNA taken from them to be uploaded into a database. The DNA from the crime scene had been uploaded to a similar database in 2003, but had received no matches. When Boulder Police announced they were taking the case back in 2009, they removed it from the District Attorney's Office, who had been in control of it since 2003. The case was reopened with a 20-person advisory task force. Police Chief Mark Beckner said that Mary Lacey's apology letter from the previous year had piqued his interest. Lacey had also supported the reopening of the case. The next time the case was really talked about was in January 2016, when My Favourite Murder began. On the first episode of the podcast, Georgia Hardstark covered this very story. Fast forward some months, and Dr Phil had a special episode where he interviewed Burke Ramsey, then 30. The interview was quite uncomfortable, and Burke addressed some of the conspiracy theories and denied killing his sister. When Dr Phil asked him directly how he responded when people asked him who killed John Bonet, he said to look at the evidence, or lack thereof. He complained about the media interest in the case, saying that it caused him to lead a private life as an adult. He retold how he had been at a family friend's house when he was told of his sister's death, saying that he struggled to believe that it was real. The media criticised the interview, arguing that the piece was more about the drama of it than about the facts. It was also noted that the Ramses and Dr Phil share the same lawyer and brought the objectivity of Dr Phil into question. Also in 2016, a documentary was released for the 20th anniversary of John Bonet's death. The CBS release investigated a single theory, causing Burke to counter with a $750 million defamation lawsuit against the network, the producers and the experts in the documentary. Burke also sued a separate forensic pathologist who gave an interview to promote the documentary. As of 2022, no suspects have been named and the culprit has still not been found. But who could be a suspect after everything that happened? The story for this episode is pretty long already, but we haven't even covered the theories yet. John Bonet Ramsey died on December 26, 1996, and to this day, nobody really knows who did it. There are several theories to this one, so this section might also take a while. Our first suspect is Patsy Ramsey. Although she was exonerated in 2008, some still suspect that she did it accidentally. 
She was known as a pageant queen herself, but was known outside of that for her pageant-winning daughter and the lavish parties that they held during the holiday season. There are several pieces of evidence that lead people to suspect her. First, John Bonet was still a bedwetter. It's been speculated that during the clean-up of one of these episodes, Patsy snapped and hit John Bonet's head against something solid, causing the skull fracture. John Bonet was tied up in the basement when she was found, with a paintbrush held to her throat. The paintbrush had come from Patsy's private art set. And the other thing that adds to this is the ransom note. She was the only member of the family who wasn't let off by the handwriting analysis, but it was two and a half pages long and written in a weird way, reminiscent of classic crime movies. Some speculate that Patsy wrote the note herself after killing John Bonet. It was written on paper from the Ramsey home, with a pen from inside the house. During the handwriting analysis, the results from Patsy came back inconclusive. During interviews, she was very defensive, even arguing with people who believed it was her on Larry King Live. Family friends insisted that Patsy would never harm John Bonet, but some criticised her for putting John Bonet in child beauty pageants, a contentious subject involving sexualising children. Our next suspect is John Ramsey. Also exonerated in 2008, he is still considered a suspect to some. When the police arrived at the house, they found no footprints in the snow or any signs of an intruder. That suggests that the killer was inside the building. A sweep of the building found nothing. Until the police sent John and his neighbour into the basement to look. Almost immediately, John Bonet's body was found. John had been told not to touch anything and ignored that, covering his daughter with a throw and carrying her up the stairs, potentially destroying evidence. One police officer, Linda Arndt, felt like John knew too much. Over the years, she hadn't kept her suspicions secret. The fact that John almost immediately discovered the body in a rarely used part of the house seems suspicious. Some thought it was a sign of a botched police investigation. Others believed it was odd that John could intuitively find the body. Aunt said that it was suspicious how John and Patsy let the ransom deadline pass without any uproar. One detective also heard John making arrangements to take the surviving family to Atlanta only hours after the murder. John did admit to this later, saying that they had been asked to leave the house and wanted to take the family home to Atlanta. Then we have the allegations of sexual abuse. No evidence has been found to corroborate this though, and John vehemently denies any involvement in that. Our third suspect is Burke Ramsey. He was the final person to be exonerated in 2008. John and Patsy tried to shield him from the press following the murder. He grew up to be a software developer and appeared on a Dr. Phil special in 2016 to clear the air. People thought it was odd because he seemingly grinned throughout the interview. Soon after that, the CBS documentary, The Case of John Bonet Ramsey, 
investigated the evidence with a group of FBI and forensic experts, including retired profiler Jim Clemente and former Scotland Yard behavioural analyst Laura Richards. This documentary leaned towards accusing Burke, but without formally making an accusation. Their theory was that John Bonet had been hit by a large flashlight that had been found on the kitchen table. Even still, no trace evidence was found belonging to John Bonet or Burke on the flashlight. This idea was tied to a separate theory, the pineapple theory. This looks at the undigested pineapple that had been found in John Bonet's stomach and links it to the bowl of pineapple that had Burke's DNA all over it in the kitchen. The theory suggests that John Bonet had stolen a piece of the pineapple and Burke had been angry at this, hitting her with a flashlight. Marks that had been found on John Bonet's back were then assumed to be from Burke's toy train set and that he had used it to prod her unconscious body. Prior to this, the marks were believed to be from a stun gun. However, Burke fired back from these accusations and filed libel suits against people. Now we've gone over the family members, we're on to other suspects. First in this list is Gary Oliva, a 32-year-old man from Boulder. Oliva was a known sex offender and had been in Boulder at the time of the murder. Police allegedly found a cutout of John Bonet in his backpack when he was arrested on unrelated charges in 2000. Yet he was never officially a suspect. The Ramsey's private investigator said that it should have been a bombshell arrest and was angry at the police for not considering him a serious suspect. One of Oliva's old school friends came forward with an allegation that sounded like it supported the theory that he was the culprit. The claim was that Oliva had called him soon after the murder and confessed to hurting a little girl. The friend even noted that the knots used to tie up John Bonet were eerily similar to the ones used when Oliva had attempted to choke his mother with a telephone cord. Oliva is also linked to the theory that the marks on John Bonet's back were caused by a stun gun. He was also cleared of charges when DNA analysis came back, but has since been charged with sexual exploitation of a child and possession of child pornography. The Ramsey's private investigator had more than one theory. The next theory he had was that an electrician called Michael Helgoth was the culprit. Helgoth worked in a nearby salvage yard. The PI referred to him as a hellraiser who had been tied to an alleged property dispute with the Ramseys. It was speculated that Helgoth, who was 26 at the time, had caught wind that he may be a suspect in the case. Allegedly, this was due to a boot print similar to his being found near the property. Upon discovering this, he committed suicide. It was two days after a 1997 press conference that had announced that the police were looking at another suspect. Due to a lack of evidence, Helgoth currently remains clear of suspicion. The next suspect is John Mark Carr, the school teacher who had been arrested in 2006. He was cleared via DNA analysis, but the evidence stacks up against him. Not only had he emailed a professor at the University of Colorado, 
but allegedly he had written diary entries at the scene of the crime. He recalled strangling John Bonet after something had gone wrong and confessed his love for her. His confession set off a media campaign that broke international headlines, but he was ultimately dismissed as a suspect and branded as just a paedophile who was after infamy. It was never verified whether he had been in Boulder either. Our next suspect is Linda Hoffman Pugh. She had worked for the Ramses as their housekeeper and her husband, Mervyn, was their handyman. It wasn't surprising that they had a key to the house. During the initial investigation, Hoffman Pugh wasn't investigated. She didn't fit the profile of the killer, which was a white male, former convict, 25 to 30 years old. However, she voiced suspicions that Patsy had accidentally done it. Patsy had told investigators that Hoffman Pugh was struggling for money and had actually asked for a loan of thousands of dollars, which had been declined. Police went to her house the night after the murder and asked her to write the ransom amount, $180,000, on a piece of paper. They also took her fingerprints and strands of her hair. She even appeared in front of the grand jury for eight hours and gave a statement about Patsy, accusing her of having multiple personalities. The theory here says that Hoffman Pugh led John Bonet into the basement to trick the Ramses into giving her the loan she'd asked for. It assumes that she knew the exact amount that John had received as a bonus and asked for that amount. The evidence against her is circumstantial though, and her being a suspect is awfully convenient. She has no alibi though, and has never been formally accused as a suspect. Our last suspect for the day is Santa. Not just any Santa though, Bill McReynolds. He was a friend of the Ramseys and had dressed up as Santa the week before the murder to entertain the neighbourhood children at the Ramsey Christmas gathering. The older man dressed as Santa trope seems pretty convenient, but it's unlikely that McReynolds was the culprit. Having said that, he was rumoured to have given John Bonet a little too much attention at the party and went far enough to arrange a secret visit at Christmas. Apparently, he had chosen John Bonet to be his special friend. John Bonet had given him a little vial of glitter when he went in for heart surgery and he had asked his wife to mix it in with his ashes when he died. The story generated a buzz in the media but was put down to a character assassination. That's it for suspects here. I've given you everything I can find for this mystery, so it's up to you to decide for yourself what you think happened. It's unlikely that the murder will ever be solved though. The story for this episode came from a crime press article about John Benet Ramsey. A grunge article called The Entire John Bonet Ramsey Case Timeline Explained, and a People article called John Bonet Ramsey's Brother Recalls the Last Time He Saw Her Alive in Never Before Seen Police Interview. The theories from this episode came from a Rolling Stone article called Who Killed John Bonet Ramsey? Eight Possible Suspects. References for the episode and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Social media links are available using the link in the episode description. 
I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and still plan to post short pieces of episodes on TikTok, as well as putting the episodes on YouTube, but that's going to involve me having time to plan that properly. I have a Patreon, but I'm still deciding what to post on it this season. There's a £3 tier if you want to support me anyway. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree, and as before, you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month, and I'll find something extra special for the people that do. My email address is also in the episode description if you want to send me spooky stories, unexplained events, or even mysteries you want me to look at. If I get enough, I'll set up some listener episodes to read them. Please don't hesitate to email me if you have any corrections or issues with things that I've said. Once I've seen the email, I'll make sure to correct myself. This week's Creature Feature will be out on Saturday, and next week's episode will be out on Wednesday, January 4th. So hold on until then. Thank <laughs> you.